Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Hump Day Hotline on the Buffalo Rumblings Multicast Network. My name is Joe Miller. I'm the co-host of the Hump Day Hotline, and I'm alongside my friend, my good friend, Jay Spencer King, and we got a special guest. Well, that way. That way. I always mess up. The- <laughs> What's up, Sal? How are you guys? Yeah. Um, you know, good rock and music, really, uh, to, to lead in there. I like appreciate it. that. Appreciate that. We, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's an original from a band that I used to be in a long, long, long. What do you What do you play? Uh, I play guitar and sing. Yeah. All right, man. I'm a drummer. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Yeah, <laughs> I know all we about, know you, about you. Yeah, we, we, we know, know all about, about you. Yeah, we're. Um, I mean, I've still been looking into. Uh, my I started playing when I was in third grade. My son's actually in third grade now, Max, and he. We went out to my brother in Oregon, who has also been playing for a long time. He's mm. 50. I'm 48, and um. We've both been playing since we were very young, and I think my son is actually better than me right now than I was. Wow. You know what I mean, or better than I was at that age. So, my my brother, by the way, has a uh, electric set. You know what I mean, and I loved it. So I think we're gonna get one for him. That's awesome. That's and awesome. For me, really, it's really for me though. Come it's on. really for you. That yeah, to keep to keep the wife happy, so you're not making all that noise in the basement. Uh, but uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. We got a special guest uh, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Sal Capaccio from WGR 55, uh, Bills Beat Reporter, is with us. Welcome, Sal. Uh, it's so good to have you on. Uh, I think you've got some news as far as WGR goes. Yeah. So why don't we start at the top? Because Bill's Mafia should be excited about the news you're about to give us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me say it because I didn't know if we could even talk about it yet. But, you know, my my station kind of released the news today. I posted it on Twitter. Um, a lot of people know I do the Extra Point show every Monday after Bill's games, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's become a, a really popular show, I think, because all I do is take callers, right? There's no guests. There's no interviews. It's basically calls for two straight hours. Um that's going to be expanded. Uh, I'm now going to be permanently hosting the Extra Point show from 10 to 12 every single weekday with Sneaky Joe DiBiase, who's the afternoon show producer. And Joe, I love Joe. He's a younger guy, um, and he has a lot of energy, and I think he's a rising star in this business, and I think he's got a great future. And we're about 20 years apart, so we'll bring different perspectives on a lot of things. So I think we're going to have a really good you know, rapport. I love working with him. He's a great team player. But, you know, uh, some changes. You know, the instigators, the hockey show is still going to be on. It's going to go one to uh i'm sorry 12 to 1 p.m and then one to three you'll still get one bills live uh with um you know chris brown steve tasker maddie glab so i'm super excited you know i mean since i was a little kid i've wanted to be a talk show host on wgr i'm I'm 48 years old and i'm getting to live my dream i've been living my dream for the last 10 years there but this is truly you know being a permanent time slot talk show host on wgr is something that i've you know tried to achieve my entire life long long overdue let me ask you something about that, Sal. And I know, like, we're gonna get into the 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 team and everything, but so now this is a dream that you wanted to, you know, this is something you wanted to do. 
how's your preparation for this different than your preparation for all the other mm. stuff? Cause like, obviously I'm doing podcasting, but eventually a goal is to, to do radio. A goal is to go in different avenues. So what's your, what's your preparation like? I mean, you mean like in a daily show, like daily for prepped from, from, from day to day, from show to show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you have to have the big picture in mind always, first of all, you start with that and you say, what, what do you want to accomplish that week? Like what's going on? And look, I mean, we're in football season. It's called the extra point show. When people turn on the radio and they hear Sal Capaccio, they're thinking bills, right? They want to hear about the bills. So we're going to do that. Now, Joe though, Joe hosts the locked on Sabres podcast. He's really big into the Sabres. He knows his stuff. So we're not going to ignore them. We will never ignore the Buffalo Sabres on WGR. We, we talk more hockey on our radio station than any station in the country. I promise you, even though people think we don't sometimes <laughs> and know what's going on. Um, but as far as that's concerned, so you, you, you get the big picture in mind, who they play in that week, what storylines we want to touch on. And then you narrow it down a little more focus, you know, for, on a day-to-day -day basis. What are the storylines coming out of practice? How do you want to do it? This time of year, Spence, to be honest with you, the preparation does itself, right? Because there's storylines at practice, there's storylines with injuries, all of those kinds of things, transactions. It's a two-hour show. It's going to fly by. Mm -hmm. But you really just have to make sure that, you know, it, it, we are going to have some guests on. Monday will still be the same. It's just me, not Joe. We're going to be, I'm just going to be taking calls for two hours. But the preparation is, you know, knowing that there's certain things you need to hit on all week, but always being willing and able to pivot as you go. Yeah, 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 for nice. sure. Nice. That's good stuff. No, and 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 Spence and I both share just kind of that same dream that uh, you are now fulfilling, which is really, really, really awesome for you. And like I said, it's super, super long overdue. Real quick, just from the top, uh, we are super chat live uh, for everybody that's in the chat and watching us. Uh, do us a favor, jump on the like button, hump that like, as we like to say on Wednesday nights. If you want to get our attention, it's going to be a super chat only kind of night while Sal is here. So if you want to ask Sal a question or if you've got a comment to make, your best bet is to super chat it because we're going to be focused in on interviewing the man that's here with us right now. Uh, with that, uh, Spence, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, so do you have a first question you'd like to ask the man? I do. Actually, I do. So so everybody, at least in the, the content creation community, and then those Bills fans of us that feel like we kind of sort of have an education on this stuff and know what we're talking about, we all thought the Hollister cut was one of those gentlemen deals like a, an agreement like okay look we're gonna cut you so we can kind of work some guys onto the ir and figure some things out and then tomorrow we'll bring you back it appears that the team opted uh, from what i read i think it was your tweet actually that brandon mm -hmm. bean said look you know uh we we decided to keep extra linemen and so when that happens you have to go short somewhere else tight end was that role uh what is your take on that and, and how do you feel about as far as where the team stands at tight end do you feel like we're going into the season with the right group yeah, let's start with the news. First of all, look, um, as you guys know, like earlier on, I had reported before it all happened that Reed Ferguson was going to be happy. He was going to be one of the guys that that happened to But look, when I got that information, that was the only guy I was told. So I was pretty confident that Hollister wasn't coming back. You know, when I was told that, hey, Reed Ferguson's going to be released and then he's going to sign back, you know, and I, I, I tweeted that out via a league source that I had found out before, before the roster cutdowns. I would, I figured that, boy, once I saw Jacob Hollister on the list, I'm like, boy, I didn't get that name. Mm. So he must not be coming back. And then Brandon Bean confirmed that, mm. you know, today when he said, we expect him to sign with another team. I think there's always things that go into it that people might not see or realize. Like, we don't know what he's like in practice every single day. Like what we see, we do. But I mean, like in film room, in meeting rooms, uh, in meeting rooms, you know, with the playbook, stuff like that. And I'm not accusing or saying anything was wrong in that regard, but there's so much more that goes into what we actually see on the field and especially what we see only in preseason games. But I do think, Spence, to your point about roster construction, look, this is a team, you have to remember, that ran more three and four wide receiver sets than any team in the NFL last year. They really have less use for an actual tight end 
than most teams in the league. That's why they decided only to go to keep two and to go short. So when you're going to keep two, then you know it's going to be Dawson Knox. And it comes really down to Jacob Hollister and Tommy Sweeney. And I can tell you guys this. This organization loves Tommy Sweeney. Yeah. They've loved him for two years. He got my, he had my, myocarditis last year because of the COVID situation. He didn't play. And I will tell you from everything I've seen from day one of Tommy Sweeney, he has the best hands on the team possibly, wow. which is everything. Oh. And considering that Dawson Knox, that's his weakness, I guess, his inconsistency catching the ball. I think it comes some sense that you'd want a little more consistency that maybe you have a guy in there that really has – uh, the ability to catch the ball. You know he's going to make the catch when you got, have to rely on him. He's also a good blocker. Let's not remember that. And let's not forget that. And I'm not saying Dawson Knox is a bad blocker, but I think Tommy Sweeney is a better overall blocker than Dawson Knox. So I think it makes sense. And then, of course, you throw Reggie Gilliam in there. He can play tight end. He's an H-back. He's a fullback, right? That's that's his role. And the last reason I'll say, and I think people are losing even though he's a small guy and a wide receiver, small in terms of like his, his body, he's a little taller, but Emmanuel Sanders actually is going to be kind of like a tight end on this team in the role he provides. He is great against zone defenses. He sits down. He finds the zone. He's an outlet receiver. Mm. That's what they need from the tight end in this offense. I think they made a conscious decision when they moved on from John Brown and brought in Emmanuel Sanders to say, we need a guy who can do that like we use tight ends, but do it with more athletic ability to get down the field. Yeah, that's very good. Can and I, it, Go ahead. Well, can I follow up real quick to yeah. that? Thing? Because because you're saying – um the team loves Sweeney, which I feel like they do. Yeah. Everybody kind of looks at Knox as that, that tight end one then. So are, are we saying, and I, I know you don't want to make, you know, statements like this, but I mean, so in your estimation, do you feel that the team kind of views Sweeney as a better option if he was healthy? No. You know, if he was healthier than Knox? No, no. I just think they love him as a player that they want in this organization and they don't want to lose him. I mean, that you could put him on the practice squad. I don't think that that would be something they would lose. But at the same time, if he beats him out, he beats him out. When Brandon Bean says, look, we're going to keep the best 53 players, I think you take him at his word. Wow. And Tommy Sweeney, they felt, was a better option than Jacob Hollister. And I know that that doesn't play well with a lot of Bills fans. I get it. But they've seen Tommy Sweeney for two years, and I know he had myocarditis last year, but they drafted him. They developed him. They like him. They like what they've seen. So, no, I don't think there's any danger of him becoming, you know, taking over Dawson Knox, anything like that. But I think they love him enough to say, we do not want to, you know, throw away this player that we've developed and we really have a lot of faith and confidence in. Yeah. What's interesting to me is uh, Lee Smith was that guy. Brian Dable loves to have that big guy, that extra left tackle or that extra right tackle lee smith announces that he's a, he's retiring and somehow the bills brandon bean works a trade for him and then obviously that body isn't there and i think i heard you today talk about uh just what the bills probably plan is because they're going to do that as well and we saw them do it against the packers do you see like spencer brown tommy doyle fill in that role of that second big body obviously sweeney's a big body as well but they love that that sixth offensive lineman situation uh, and what's funny about that to me is that uh, Lee Smith last year kind of showed us that he had soft hands, which we were all surprised about. And I made some jokes about it on Twitter. But speak to that real quick, if you could, as far as how they're going to pivot to that sixth offensive lineman or that second tight end, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, just to go back for a second, you know, um, uh, Lee Smith, Lee Smith, he didn't really ever say he was retired. He never announced that oh. he, was, he went. He, he I don't know where that got from. I, when that came out, someone had reported it that night. I went back and listened to the interview he did after I saw that, and he did it with a Nashville radio station because he's from the area. And what he said on the air that night to the radio hosts were, 
hey, maybe maybe I'm done. I'm going to talk about it with my wife. We're going to see where this goes. It's been a really good career. He never said he was retiring. And I think, um, you know, for for and I think people kind of ran with that. They were surprised. But I agree with you, Joe. Like, how the hell did he get a, a pick for Lee Smith? Right. I mean, what's going on here? How did that happen? I mean, Brandon Bean working his wizardry. Right. But but right. but um, let's go back to the tight ends now. Yes, I do think that that's where where they see Tommy Doyle, Spencer Brown. You know, um, those are the guys that you're going to put on the field as that extra blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to throw Reggie Gilliam's name out here again. I think Reggie Gilliam is the guy uh, that's kind of an X factor here where they can just move him around. They can do some different things. Is he Lee Smith? Of course not. You know, but he he's he's a physical man who also, if you put him out there and he's blocking and then all of a sudden he leaks out and he goes into the flat, now you have an athlete catching the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that role a little bit as well. Super good. He can run some routes I, from last season. I remember when mm-hmm. when he was actually, um, you know, before he made the team initially, there was some film out there where he was practicing and trying to, you know, he looks pretty impressive as a route runner as well from that role. So I think they can absolutely use him as that third tight end. Yeah, you know, sure. and, and, I, and I think what happened was, Spence, I think last year, this team, they're very good at doing some self-evaluation. If you remember, you know, last year, let's go back to the, the year they lost to the Texans in the playoffs, you know, because they the te- they didn't have that true number one receiver, Duke Williams led the team in targets that day, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they realized, like, you know, we have to go out and we have to find a true number one receiver because if a team takes away John Brown, what are we going to do? Well, enter Stefan Diggs, right? I mean, that right. was kind of the answer. That 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 was truly, I think, a defining moment for this organization that they realized they just have to have that because they need a true number one and then a true number two who was who was playing number one, but you can't have that. And I think last year what happened was they realized they were not as efficient and as good as they wanted to be in short yardage, right? And being physical when they needed to run the ball at certain times. And I think that's a big reason why Reggie Gilliam now is back at fullback, and we've seen him line up in I formation a few times. And I think we got a little peek and a little glimpse of what their philosophy is going to be in short yardage and goal line during the preseason by basically being a team that I think they want to be a little tougher in those situations. And that's where Reggie Gilliam comes in. And that's why I think that he could play a role like, like we're talking about. Super good. So were you surprised at all to see from and Webb back to the practice squad? No, not at all. Um, the only thing I was kind of surprised at is that Jake from did not get claimed. I thought he might get claimed. Jake Fromm was never making the 53. If you listen to me on the radio, I'd been saying they're keeping two quarterbacks. They're not keeping Fromm and Webb. And the the weird thing is Webb was always the guy that's going to go to the practice squad first. He is so valuable to this organization. Davis Webb has made no bones about it. He's going to be a coach when he retires. Like that's what he's going to do. That's his career path. He's ready for it. Brian Dable has said, yep, he's going to be a coach. And Dable said something really interesting that I, I really found insightful and I respect him for saying, which is he said, look, you have to be respectful for a guy like that who you know what his goal is, but you also know that he doesn't want to do that yet. So you want to treat him like he wants to be treated now, even though the bigger picture is he's helping you in the building, film, co- mm. coach. He says he helps the receivers. He helps the running backs. And Davis Webb says, I- I'm not ready to retire. I mean, Davis Webb is 26 years old. People don't right. realize that. He's been in the league guy. four years, right? So he says, I-, I don't want to stop playing, but when I'm done playing, I'm going to coach. So to me, Value for Davis Webb in the practice squad. Jake Fromm, I really believe there would be a team out there that said, look, we had a high grade on this guy, a fifth or sixth round grade. He's out there on waivers. It's been one year. Why not scoop him up and bring him our building? But as you guys know, if you do that, you have to put the guy on the 53-man roster, at least initially. So that might have been a little too rich for a team to say that they wanted to take a flyer on. Once he cleared waivers, I think it's it's a no, no-brainer. You're going to put him in on the bills because I think the bills want a young option to develop because Mitch Trubisky is on a one-year deal. 
Super good. Super good. I have a, uh, um, so as to switch or to pivot for a moment. So um, Isaiah McKenzie is injured or appears to be trending towards he healthy. He practiced today, yes. Practiced today. Right, so that's what I'm saying. He's trending, trending towards health. And then Stevenson, I felt, I, I believe I read that he was kind of out there in a red shirt as well, or am I? No, oh. he's, not, he's on IR. He's out for three weeks at least. So, it, okay, so it was McKenzie who was out practicing in a red shirt. Correct. Um, so do we feel he'll be healthy for week one enough to for the, the role? Yeah, um, Brandon Bean told us that he's not going to rule out Isaiah, Levi, Taron Johnson, Jaquan Johnson, and even Harrison Phillips, which was a surprise to me for week one. And then he said that to us in our pre-practice session. And then we go out there, and Isaiah's returning punts at Highmark Stadium wearing a red jersey. Guys, to me, he's trending towards he's going to be able to play. Now, okay. you never know, right? But he, I think he's going to be ready. We we sat there in the stands floored today because the whole yeah. setup, the whole setup coming into cutdown day was all the guys are going to have to cut to keep the guys are going to have to put on short-term IR. Harrison Phillips, Levi Wallace, all yeah. these guys. Harrison Phillips comes out in a blue shirt, practices the whole day. Like, <laughs> Levi Wallace is in a blue shirt. And it's like, what is going Everything that we were told, I felt bamboozled. Like all the information um, I had was was wrong. Joe, you're right. I think like we were surprised that those guys were in blue jerseys as well. Not even in red jerseys, right? You got Harrison right. Phillips who's practicing. You got Levi right. Wallace who's practicing. The only red jerseys were Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson who was still practicing. Yep. Both of them were, and then um, Isaiah. Now Jaquan Johnson did Johnson practice, Johnson. Right? Yep. But I think look, I think this organization's in a spot now where, and if you really kind of paid attention the last couple of years, they. What it's really about is just making sure they slow play these injuries, give them every precaution necessary to be ready for week one. That's why I was never worried about Stefan Diggs. He missed two weeks with a knee injury. There were people freaking out. Oh, my God, he's in practice. And I'm thinking to myself, this is what they're doing. They know he. there's no, there's no reward here if they risk him to put him out there and practice. They're going to make sure he is absolutely ready to go in week one. And I think that's what's happening here. I think they really took precaution on these guys. And I think you're going to see um, – a full healthy load. I, I still wonder about a couple of the guys like Harrison and even Jaquan, but great news that Harrison was out there. And like I said, McDermott said he's not ruling anybody out yet. Yeah. Just to wrap up the Stevenson conversation, uh, he clearly hurt his foot, came back the next week and played and, and showed. And after the, the lions game, I was pining that the, he's put going to put himself in a situation where the bills can't cut him. Uh, and obviously he did as well, but he, he hurts his foot then comes back and then goes out with a head injury was there any insight given to you guys as far as what's going on with him, why he was put on short-term IR? Is it the head injury? Is it something else? Bean mentioned the foot. Uh, he didn't mention the head. He did mention the foot, but I agree with you. He did leave with a head injury. In fact, most people didn't even realize it. So the way my job works is I'm on the sidelines. I get those reports from the sidelines, right? That's the team says, hey, this is who's injured. This is the situation. Well, it happened so late in the game, there was no official injury designation on him. That's why no one really knew. But I was told, hey, he left with a head injury. And I'm like, is he going to come back? And they're like, well, there's two minutes left, right? I mean, like, or whatever it was. So that's why it was kind of lost in the shuffle. Nobody was hiding anything or anything, but it just happened so late in the game that I don't think people realized what was going on. And when and when his name popped up as you know being injured, I think people were confused. But it was a head injury. But Joe, all we were told today was, you know, they had a little bit of the nagging, the foot and the ankle situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Spence. Yeah. Well, so another question that I kind of wanted to to touch on, um, I'm a special teams guy. I think special teams is undervalued a ton by, and I know I already touched on like the punt and kick return position. I've been kind of getting dragged by Bill's mafia for, for my love for Taiwan Jones right now. <laughs> I'm I, you, just, I felt like there was <laughs> no you. way in the world <laughs> that I'm he should have been released on any level. 
Can you just kind of, since you said you're with me here, can you kind of just explain a little bit for our audience why somebody like Taiwan Jones is so important mm. to the team? Even though, yeah, he may have dropped a, a, a pass last year that would have broke the record for Josh, and he may have done whatever. You know, I get, I get the fan stuff that we get mad about, but can you just kind of explain why he's so vital to the success of this team? Taiwan Jones is, how old is he, 31 maybe, 30, 31. He's still one of the faster players on the Buffalo Bills. And that matters because of the role he plays. He is a gunner. He, it, I will tell you this. If you don't want to take my word for it, take Lorenzo Alexander, who is a premier special teams player in his career, right? Pro Bowl special teams player. Lorenzo Alexander said to me when we chatted last year, he said, with Taiwan Jones and Saran Neal as your two gunners, you could lay claim possibly to having the two, the best two pairs of gunners in the entire NFL. Wow. It's, it would be the bills and Patriots basically up there with, you know, those guys, they, they, they have, they do a really great job with them as well, but that's how good Taiwan Jones is. Remember the play in Kansas city. Didn't he, did he score? Was it him who scored on the, the muff in the AFC championship game, right? Or early on, right? Taiwan Jones is a, is terrific at his job. And could you make the argument that while he's taking a roster spot away from someone else who could help? Sure. You could do that. But I want to remind everybody that the Bills are not in a rebuild mode. They're not in a development mode. They're in a win a Super Bowl mode. They want to have the best player at every single position with every single role they can possibly have. It's why Mitch Trubisky was never getting traded. I don't care what people thought they saw from him in the preseason. Mitch Trubisky is here because the Bills are trying to win a Super Bowl, and they do not want even one game of missing Josh Allen to cost them the number one seed. That's why he was never going to get traded. They want insurance. You, they want the best possible player. Hey, look, where you are on, on, on Taiwan, I love Taiwan too. I was right there with Andre Roberts last year fighting this good fight all year. Because as <laughs> much as right, because as much as as much as we all can recognize that there's probably a minimal, you know, what, what's the real drop-off between Andre Roberts and even even Micah Hyde, who's gonna catch the ball and not run. The point is that if you can have someone who's elite at their position, then you keep someone who's elite at their position. So, so trying to win a Super Bowl. So talk about it though. And, and this is no slack against Isaiah McKenzie or even Marquez Stevenson. I love Isaiah. Uh, Spence has interviewed Isaiah on his show, The Code of Conduct. Like we have a lot of love for him. He's how do you not love a guy that loves Buffalo so much? He'll stay here for Skittles and for candy. Yeah, right. right why exactly. is why is Andre Roberts a Houston Texan? I think that was more about Andre's uh, decision. Now let's remember he's been in the league quite a while, right? So his. His number, his minimum salary is a little higher. I think that, you know, it's, it sounds like the Houston Texans, from what I gather in the offseason, it sounded like the Houston Texans really wanted him. The Bills just weren't willing to match because I think they felt comfortable with how Isaiah progressed in that role, and they felt more comfortable with saying, hey, look what he did in that Miami game last year. You know, sure. I think that was a, a, a big statement for him to say, I can be this guy. Would the Bills love to have a guy like Andre Roberts? Sure. I don't think they feel this year, though, that it's, anywhere near the drop-off having Isaiah McKenzie and especially financials because, you know, that does matter and that does come into play at some point. But I, I think that was more Andre Roberts' decision mm. than it was the Bills, and I don't think they were willing to match whatever the Houston Texans gave them. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better. 
to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Moving to the defensive line for me. Last yeah. year, I was, I, was, I was big on this whole rotating guys 50%, highest paid defensive line in the NFL. Clearly, they were not performing like one of the highest paid defensive lines in the NFL. And I thought that coming into this year, that that was a luxury the Bills were not going to be able to continue. Like, we're not going to be able to continue. We're going to have to find guys who are going to play 65 70%, shrink that number. Lo and behold, we've got 11 defensive linemen on this roster, the final 53. We've got six linebackers and five corners, which is really strange. Can you talk about maybe some of the philosophy of what you heard or what you feel about just that defensive makeup? Because to me, that just seems a little different. It does, uh, especially a team that plays mostly nickel defense, right? It's not right. like you play 4-3. They don't put three linebackers on the field. They put five defensive backs on the field. Right. Um, they're going to have to make sure that they're buttoned up and everybody stays healthy. Uh, and if that's not the case, you, you also did see, though, today that they did sign, what, three of the corners they released back to the practice yes. squad. And it would have been four if Nick McLeod didn't get claimed right Nick McLeod right. claim they only signed 15 guys that was that spot was probably reserved for Nick McLeod so yeah. I think I think at least they feel comfortable with we're going to have enough guys in the building let's also remember you get to elevate two players every week that could also be one of the corners that could be a defensive back who you say we're going to add to our you know our game day roster by elevating another guy that's a way to kind of must play with the numbers and do some roster gymnastics as sure. we say um I think in the front seven it really just came down to they have a lot of guys who are just too good of football players to give up on. And Bam Johnson was in that boat. Yep. And that's why they traded him, right? I mean, he can give you can't keep an extra one, another one. Um, that was their weak point, if you will, last year. Teams ran on them a little bit too much. They couldn't get the quarterback down enough. They, I think, want to do everything they can to make sure A, teams are not running on them like they did last year, and B, they're getting to the quarterback. So they're giving themselves as many options, play with the chess pieces as much as possible. And I think the linebacker thing really just comes down to more about special teams. Um, Tyler Medikevich is here for special teams. We know that. He's really good at that. Andre Roberts has earned a job on yes. this team. You guys oh, have yeah. seen. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's played fantastic. And and uh, you know what? I'll I'll call it this. I think I think Terrell Dodson's like the Tommy Sweeney of the tight end group. Terrell Dodson's been here a couple of years. He's super smart. His football IQ is off the charts. He knows every linebacker position. They feel really comfortable with having him, and he can play four phases on special teams. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. the The whole situation, Medikevich is, is is interesting to me because he's a special teams ace, but clearly he can play in a four three defense. Every time he's on the field in a four three, the dude flashes, which is incredible. Uh, I love what you said. Somebody asked the question, so I'm just going to ask you as well. How many times can a player be elevated before it matters? Right, you get two free. And then, uh, and then on the third one, it's no longer an actual elevation. It's assigning to the 53-man roster, essentially. Um, so after the, th after the third one, he has to stay there or he has to clear waivers to go back to the practice squad. The first two are free elevations. You don't have to clear waivers. You just go back to the practice squad. Right, right. So we got hints from Brandon Bean about guys like Justin Zimmer, specifically in that third quarter in the football game against the Packers where he said he talked about them. Some guys are just out there and they don't, they don't allow you to keep them, keep them off your team. And, and Justin Zimmer is a big part of who we are. You knew he was staying 11 defensive linemen. When one of these guys are ready to come back from IR Stevenson, somebody like that, it's gotta be one of these D linemen that are going. It could very well be. And, you know, I wonder if I think we'd all probably agree that Vernon Butler might be like the last guy on the depth chart. I'm not sure. Maybe you think it's Justin Zimmer, but, 
whoever it is, you might want to think that that's insurance against Harrison Phillips. What if Harrison can't go week one? Right. Harrison becomes inactive. Now you're really only dealing with four defensive tackles, right? Yeah. I think that could very well be the case of why they kept five, which is because even though he won't rule out Harrison Phillips week one, I don't think he's ruling him in yet either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I have one last question about practice, but Spence, I'm going to give you a, a shot here. Well, go for go for the practice because the the one that I have is not in the same like it's completely switching gears. Perfect. I don't know if you caught it. You were on the tunnel side of the end zone when it happened, but they ran a play. They ran it towards the 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 home sideline where I was. Sta- I was in three uh, one thirty two uh, or one thirty three, and uh, Ed Oliver didn't it. mean to. You did see it. Gotcha. And took Josh Allen down. The crowd obviously reacted. Allen shook his head. Wasn't necessarily happy about it after practice, and Oliver was remorseful. Clearly, he kind of said, I didn't, it didn't really happen the way, it could, but obviously they're, they're told to steer clear, stay away from the $300 million guy. After practice, Oliver went up to Allen. Allen had a smile on his face and they were whatever. I'm just wondering if there was any comments, conversation, not fallout, but was there anything that was said post practice today? No. And, you know, unfortunately, guys, it's not set up like it used to be because of COVID. We don't get to talk to all the players, we only get who the team gives us, and that's all predetermined. And the two players we had after practice today in the media room were Tremaine Edmonds and Devin Singletary. So, you know, we didn't get a chance to ask any coaches or any players. But it's funny you bring that up, Joe, because I did see it. I was standing next to Matt Perino, who you guys know. Mm-hmm. We both saw it. And I said, ooh, and Matt goes, ooh. And we, we kind of talked about it. And I said, you know, Matt, somebody's going to talk to him about that. Like, oh, yeah. he's going to go back. So we were watching him to see if any coaches went up to him. And, I didn't see a coach say anything to him, but I did see him explaining to everybody on the sidelines what happened. Like, right. oh my God, you know, it's like the kid who's, who, who took something out of the, out of the cookie jar. I, I, don't, I don't mean to do it. Right. I mean, I think that's pretty much what was happening. He's got to, he's got to be more aware. I, I love the fact that Ed Oliver, he has a motor, right. And it's mm-hmm. running all the time, man. You, you can't touch your quarterback like that. You gotta, you gotta lay up. You gotta go the other way. You gotta do something to make sure that you do not any little touch like that. We all remember Troy Vincent hitting JP Lossman his rookie year in training. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean that you don't want something like that to happen, man. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Just stay, stay as far away as you can, because even just a little incidental contact, right. if, it, if it puts him in a situation where he breaks it, breaks a leg, the season, that Super Bowl season you're talking about is completely over. Right. So go ahead, go ahead, Spence. We got a super chat coming in, but go ahead, Spence. Yeah, we got a quick super chat, so I'll, I'll get that out here real quick because I know Sal is going to be uh, getting out of here in a moment. Um, so can you explain Quish, Christian Wade's roster status? Yes, his roster status is he's not playing football in 2021. He had season-ending shoulder surgery. But because he is exempt, they do not have to officially list him on the um, on the, on the the cuts, but he's also not on the roster. Um, you know, if they want, they could give him a, you know, like a token spot basically on the practice squad again, just so you can collect a paycheck. And because it's not going to cost them anything, it's a 17th, you know, exempt spot, but his roster status is basically he's done for the year. He had season ending shoulder surgery. Well, real quick. Cause like I said, yeah. I know I got to let you go, but, yeah, but okay. to follow up on that really quickly. Um, so with him being out for the year, would his exemption then can we carry it over to next year or is next year as he it's, it's all go. So his, his exemption was supposed to expire before this year, after last year, all the international pathway programs, players get two years of roster exemption status. However, because none of them had a preseason last year to actually try and make teams, the NFL extended the guys who were on their second year last year, they gave them a third year. So he actually was already supposed to be non-exempt this year. 
but the NFL extended him and the other guys who were part of that program an extra year to give them an opportunity during this preseason since they didn't have one last year. His exemption ends this year. He can still try and play football, but he's going to have to do it as a regular football player, so to speak. Okay. So my final question for you, though, before we, uh, yeah. you know, first, thank you so much for doing this. Yes. Man. I know. No um, it's a crazy time of year. I know that, you know, you're ready like us. Uh, it's time for the time for the real deal. But and by the um, way, Chris, I see Chris says is wait on IR. No, again, he's he's kind of like a ghost. It's weird. I, he, there's no official status. <laughs> he's not on the roster. He's not on IR because he's really not a player in the NFL. It's kind of weird. I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but that's the way it was explained to me. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, Go gotcha. So, uh, well, the last question I have for you. Um, so today I saw that the Detroit lions released our guy. They released our friend mm. Dean Marlowe. Yeah. And I know that the roster appears to be said, I know that we brought back and I, and I don't know if the bills would look at him in a way as a practice squad guy, since we have that last spot open, but do you think that there could be potentially be a reunion with us and Dean Marlowe? Because I was for one, I can't speak for everybody, but I was actually bummed that he left. I was surprised he left. I was really yeah. surprised. I thought they would, I thought that was their guy. You know, he Dean Marlowe going into this off season, was the longest tenured player with Sean McDermott. He was he goes back to two years of McDermott in Carolina, then comes over with him to Buffalo. He had played for McDermott longer than anybody in this organization. And to me, that really spoke well and highly of how much they value him, his knowledge of the system, and that kind of thing. But you know, when you're when you're a backup to Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde and you don't see the field that much, and the Detroit Lions come calling, you think you have an opportunity to play, mm. go take it, brother. Right. I mean, that's great. Good for him. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, he, I, I would not rule it out to be honest with you, Spence. I mean, I think, I think that could happen now. Maybe he gets an opportunity elsewhere. Maybe he goes somewhere else. And it is important to note that there are no requirements on the practice squad this year, just like last year. You could basically, I mean, Lorenzo Alexander to use his as an example again, or Kyle Williams, they could come out of retirement and literally be on the practice squad. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in, you can be on the practice squad, but you only get so many guys right. like that, but he he's eligible if they want. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dean Marlowe found his way back to this organization. The question to me would be, is Dean Marlowe looking for a better opportunity to actually see the field? Because now you still have Hyde and Poyer, and you also, by the way, have DeMar Hamlin, who's looked really good, yep, yep, and Jaquan yeah. Johnson, who they like, right back there. And he would have to fight for that. But I like Dean as well. Um, I, I wouldn't doubt, you know, he, look, he got married here in Buffalo, and Jordan and Micah, you know, they're, they're, they're really tight. They're really close. Um, you know, I know he loves it here, so it wouldn't surprise me, but I hope he gets an opportunity to actually play somewhere if that's what he wants. Very cool. Uh, I do have one last one. I apologize. Mm -hmm. I no, have a, uh, I have a little bit of a connection to Isaiah Hodgins, uh, okay. and I, I, I tried my best not to keep it separate. Right. Sure. Uh, and obviously he got, he got injured, uh, in the Detroit game. And then um, my understanding was this, he would have been good to go in the bears game, but they're going to hold him out. However, and then play in the Packers game, but he didn't play in the Packers game. So I'm guessing, the injury was a little more severe than maybe they had originally thought. Have you? I know he came back to the practice squad today, which I'm happy about. Have you heard anything about just what's going on with his knee or his leg? I haven't. And you know, I, I just think this is a this is an availability issue with him. This is why he's not making the roster, right? I mean, sure. I don't know how long you can wait on him anymore. And obviously, they can't. He's not going to make it over Kumaro or Isaiah McKenzie right. at this right. point. He's going to have to stay healthy and in his practice squad days, he's going to have to show in these practice squad, you know, practices that, Hey, you, you're going to have to elevate me at some point. You're going to have to, and if it goes the whole year and he's not, then he comes back next year, signs a futures contract most likely. And he's back in the same position, but uh, haven't heard anything on the knee. I think it's good news though, that it seems like he's at least 
playing, right? He's not an IR or anything like that. So that's obviously really good news. But he he's going to have to demonstrate better availability. That to me is really what it came down to for him. Gotcha. Fantastic conversation, Sal. I we we thank you for being a part of this thank show. You, like anytime, man. Yeah, you guys. Like, legit, you just made cut down day in the post, and obviously the last open you know open practice. Just that much more special. So thank you. Yeah, so much no, for problem. no problem, guys. Thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to promote the new show. So hope everybody's yeah, listening get- to WGR starting next Tuesday at 10 o'clock, man, 10 to 12. Myself and uh, Sneaky Joe. Then every Monday we'll get back after it with just me taking your calls, uh, reaction to what happens on the Sunday game during the Monday show. Fantastic. That, Sal, thank you so much. Go Bills. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Go Bills. Yep. Talk to you soon. Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, Sal is on the way out. So, but guess what? We got another special guest uh, just going to join us for a little bit here. And it's actually a surprise to my brother, Joe. He yeah, I have no idea. I like see, I see it drop in the green room and I'm like, or the back. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's connected or not. He might be frozen, but Fina okay, is. Well, uh, well, we got John Fina joining us in a moment here. It's <laughs> uh, it's all-star night. It's pro bowler night tonight. We had the pro bowl radio host and now we got, you know, the, the, the lineman that played for the Bills during the Super Bowl years, but also the co-host to the – go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. The, not, the, the Off Tackle with John Fina show, which is going to be on uh, Monday nights, every Monday night at 9 o'clock. Uh, that, that show is going to air, which is – I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending that much time with John just because the insight that he brings is incredible. I, I just got to say for one second, thank you for setting up that whole thing. Just so everybody knows, that whole thing was set up by the man sitting next to me over here uh, with with Sal, and I'm legit fanboying right now just a little bit. Like, that was like the dude called my name a couple times. I was like, well, that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Sal is one of the best guys. So, you know, just a little bit of background on that. So um, I'm not I'm not lucky enough to be able to call all these guys friends that I get on my shows and everything like that. But when I tell you there's specific people who have really helped me over the last year, Sal was one of them. Um, and I can't thank him enough for everything that he's done to really help me kind of get, you know, just kind of get my feet wet in this. And, and it's, um, it's, it's coming out good. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of his time. And, uh, I can tell Joe is, is he's happy. He's going to have a, yeah, a, a glass. Of, yeah. And now I get to talk to my other guy, John Fina, who still looks like he's kind of frozen. Uh, I don't know if he's having network issues or what, but uh, so we can kind of talk. But uh, John Fina, by the way, is 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 hoping to come back in town for the Washington football game, which I think is week three or week four. Uh, so if you're in town, uh, look for John to be bumping around a little bit, uh, uh, just kind of the nightlife guy. He's a, he's a nightlife kind of guy. So if you're around that weekend, he will be as well. So what were some of your major takeaways from what Sal said? Was there anything that was surprised? That, that was that was good content. You've been, you're on a roll, dude. Between Mike Robb on Monday night, uh, and then obviously Sal tonight, there was you like you're in the pocket with some pretty riveting conversations. It's been an, it's been a good week for me. I will say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying um, the content, and not just the content, but even the insight for myself. Uh, but one of the things that I, that I got from everything that Sal said was actually more of a, you know, I, I felt, I kind of felt like everything that I've been pounding the table and saying, like mm. I, I felt like I've been validated. You know, he he kind of backed me up with the Andre Roberts takes yep. that I have. He backed me up with the Taiwan Jones take when everybody was saying, not everybody, but you know, a lot of sure. people were saying, no, he should be cut. You know, he doesn't bring anything but special team. Well, special teams is super important. Sure. And sure. you know, so so those are the things that I uh took away from that. I thought it was great, but you know, man, it, I'm just excited the season's here. But what about you? What, what were your takeaways? It was it was uh I, I think there's something to be said for he he confirmed a lot of what I felt. And I was uh 
we sit right in a weird position because we are not members of the media, even though people on Twitter and people in the comment section and we get asked questions as though we're media. We are not. We have no privilege. We have no special connections to anybody. So when I was surprised to see Harrison Phillips in a blue jersey today practicing and when I when I was surprised to see Levi Wallace in a blue jersey today practicing, it felt good to know that he was surprised by that, too. Like he was just as much like uh Harrison Phillips is out here practicing like because the, all the expect expectation was even from coach was that he was probably going to go to short term IR like and then obviously Reed would come back maybe in his position. Uh, so uh, there was just a lot of that. But his insight, obviously, he has the connection. He has the team is way different than anything we'll ever, we have right now. I don't want to say ever have, but what we have right now. So just just hearing it from him, there's just a level of confidence and a level of uh, authority that he speaks with, which is uh, tremendous. I'm excited for him and I'm excited for me for 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock every day of the week to have him yeah. on the radio, because I don't know why this didn't happen five years ago. It should have happened. Like, yeah, yeah. Sal is legit. And can I just pause for a moment and just say, I love Jamie so much. Like she always gives me like whatever confidence that I don't feel like I have. She gives it to me. She, she So for everybody listening to this in podcast form, Jamie is, is Joe's sister. If you didn't know, if you didn't know, just look at, look at the, look at the profile, the avatar that's got my, my face <laughs> in it. <laughs> and, and the comment I just made about, you know, Sal giving me the validation that I felt, she just said, you don't need validation. You are Jay Spence. And you know what, right. Jamie, you are right. You are right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jamie. I wish she was going to be there this, you know, this week coming up. I would love to meet everybody. Yeah, super good. So why don't we, uh, while we're still waiting for Fina, and I'll text him because I'm going to let you kind of roll. Talk about what Rumblings has coming up. So this season, what can people expect? Well, I um, to, to start, I know we already started to experience the, the new show that Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary has, the Food for Thought on Friday mm -hmm. nights. That's been awesome. So it's been on for a few weeks now. Make sure you catch that on Friday nights. Saturday nights, Joe is hitting us at 8 p.m. Yep. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, just wanted to make sure I'll be, I'll be forgetting I'll be forgetting time slots. There might there so might Joe, be weeks there might be weeks it goes at 10 o'clock after yours. Just stay tuned. Okay. So well Joe's gonna be live at eight and then directly after Joe or directly before Joe depending on the week. Then you're gonna see me. You're gonna see um Kristen from the Bills Mafia babes. You're gonna see Angelina. You're gonna see uh actually do I have the I think I do look at me. You're gonna see the chop up Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be me, Sterling from Cover One, Kristen from The Babes, and Angelina from the Donut Bag Podcast. And it's going to be special. It's going to be dope. Another um, announcement that I would really like to make that I think is going to be fun. Next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Next Wednesday, the Hump Day Hotline is going to be live again in Buffalo. Last year, we got a chance to do this at Magruder's. Now, next week, Wednesday, September 8th at 9 p.m., meet us at O'Neill's. Meet us across the street from the stadium. We are going to be there. It's going down. We buying shots. I'm not buying shots. I'm just joking. But we're going to, <laughs> it's going to be a good time, though. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Um, I might have a couple special guests lined up to meet us there in person. So, so show up, show yeah. out. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. So uh, Saturday, the Bills Mafia Time to Shine segment, where it's it'll be a live call and show. All of you can jump in the queue and uh, give me predictions. Chop up Saturday night, the overreaction post game show with me, yours truly at nine o'clock. Post game, it'll be actually every post game. So if the Bills play Monday post game, Thursday post game, yada yada yada. Monday, the off tackle with John Fina show at nine o'clock uh, with John, who's having trouble getting in. Wednesday, the Hump Day Hotline with me and you, obviously. Which if you have not yet, hump that like button, jump on it. There's 
a whole bunch of people up in here and I've only got 27 thumbs up. So if you're watching on YouTube, hump the like button. And then Friday, as you said, food for thought, but uh, a lot of good stuff coming up from us. Now you did not get a chance to go to practice today. Uh, You are obviously out of town, but you're going to be in town on Friday and we are going to the Deion Dawkins party uh, on Friday. Uh, And that's going to be a fun week for you and I, as you're going to be in town all the way through the home opener. So you're going Deion Dawkins party Friday. You're going to the Jordan Poyer event on Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have the live hump day event on Wednesday. And then we're going to the Soho party, the homecoming party on Friday, and then the skate party on Saturday. And then we'll be in hammer's lot on Sunday. But as far as practice goes, as a person that was there and Richard rush was there and there's a bunch of people in the chat, I'm sure that were there as well. Uh, any questions you want to ask me, anything that you'd be interested in? I would tell you this, Josh Allen was not super sharp today. The offense was not as sharp as I have seen them in practice previous and in preseason games, which is fine. They're going to have off off days in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but uh, it also could be a situation where the defense is starting to gel a little bit more, right? Which is so, so for me, that's what I look at. So previously it used to be where the defense was always ahead of the offense. Right. Like you would come in and it's like, OK, the offense didn't gel yet. Like, you know, it's, it's early. The defense is always going to be better than the offense. Now we have this high powered offense and the expectation is that the offense is just going to just going to be that way. Um, I, I don't know. I don't feel like it's it's that big of a like I think the defense is is showing and, and showing up now. But I think that offense, man, is legit. And and I, I'll, I'll pass this on to John. Let's let's ask John about this. So, John, ladies and gentlemen, that's listening podcast for him. We are finally joined by the the great, the myth and the legend himself. I heard so many stories about Buffalo and we're going to ask about that. But I got my man, John Fina, joining me. What is going on, man? Hey, guys, can you hear me? All right. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just excited. I mean, this is a crazy time of the year. You know, the, the roster is more or less set. I love Sal's take on guys moving up and down twice. And I think, uh, you know, trust in the bean, the process. And I loved what he was talking about. Like, we're at the point right now where we're going for a championship. It's not a rebuilding year. And you can keep a guy that is a gr- is, is number one in his position. Yep. Uh, the take on the defensive line and uh, how we have all these linebackers now and where they're going to contribute on special teams. I, I think it was just, it was awesome to have him on the show. I couldn't agree more. And he just offers some pretty incredible insights. Yeah. Bef- can I, can Wait, before, before we go, before we go any farther, uh, I do need to say that uh, John Fina is now officially a full fledged contributor for SB nation and Buffalo rumblings. He is at, he's at 5% level, ladies and gentlemen, whatever that means. So gang, gang. well, welcome to the family, John, officially uh, a part of SB nation. So, yeah. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I, you know, I love working with you guys. I love talking football, reconnecting with Bill's mafia, the Buffalo bills. It's uh, it's really been a thrill. So uh, Spence, uh, I'm in Phoenix now. We're not going to connect this time. Next time. Hopefully we will. We got it. We're going to make it happen. But to the, the thing that you were just saying about the line and the um, the linebackers and special teams, uh, Matthew actually has a really good question that I would kind of want your perspective on. He wants to know if you would rather have kept Bam than Taiwan Jones since he was I don't know why he's saying he was statistically a better special teams player. But a, a lot of people look at Bam as he was better uh, for the team. And and that would you have preferred that they kept Bam over Taiwan Jones or are you like me? thinking that Taiwan Jones should be a lock every time that he is trying to go out for this team. No, I like keeping Taiwan Jones. I think his presence as a gunner is incredibly important. The, the, the skill set of guys now that are 
you know, 5'11 and, and, and smaller returning punts and their ability to move. I mean, you got to have those gunners down in their face as fast as possible. And if that's his skill set and we let Bajorquez go, you know, the guy who kicks it 70 yards and it lands at the one, then you've got to make up for it somewhere. And I think this can be a key position, having him there at gunner, where we can solidify, you know, when you're punting on fourth down, you don't want returns. You, th there's danger there. So getting a guy like him on the roster, keeping him in place, I think it adds a really nice defensive position. Even though people look at it as special teams, it's really truly a defensive position. What do you think, Joe? No, I I, I, I agree. I actually more my questions are more pointed towards just what you have seen in Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle being obviously the 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 tackle that you are. 11, 12 years in the NFL, 11 with the Buffalo Bills, first-round first, first draft pick. I would love just to hear your assessment on what you saw from Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle in the preseason. Well, I focused mostly on Spencer Brown, so I'd have to go back and, and look a little bit more closely at Tommy Doyle. And you can see Spencer's got some, some great raw athleticism and aggression. You know, I love the fact that he finishes – He's not afraid. You can tell just by the way he plays football that he's going after it. There's no tentative nature about him at all. There's still a little bit of raw skill, maybe technique that he needs to hone in on. He'll do really well uh, following both our tackles and hopefully just absorbing some great uh, instruction from his position coach. And additionally, I mean, I, I talk to kids about this all the time, YouTube, and of course, when you're in the Bills facility, you don't need YouTube, but be be a guy who digests a lot of film. Mm. Take things from other players and get better. Get better week to week. So, you know, he'll he'll probably have to work a little bit on, on keeping his hips a little flatter, a little more parallel to the line. Uh, there were a couple of occasions where he was slightly tentative about getting that inside hand up or outside hand, however, you know, you want to look at it, whichever technique uh, based on the play, but he's got those big long arms. He needs to throw them out there. Yeah. And you, and you actually, when we were at, uh, when you were in town the last time you, you talked just about length and you talked about how to use length and how to use it as your advantage. Cause you had length back in your day. And it's, it's, it's important. We got, we, we actually saw him transition Spencer Brown. That is, from the Lions game to the Bears game, where he kind of got owned a little bit in that Lions game. And then he basically pushed Khalil Mack, of all people, in the dirt, pushed him right down onto his face by using that length and getting his hands into a position where, where Khalil Mack couldn't touch him first and got him and just pushed him straight to the ground. So that's that's big. Defensively, any thoughts on Greg Rousseau? Uh, obviously, Boogie Basham, just that situation there with those two rookies? I think it's a perfect position for those guys to be in. You know, they're whether or not they start the game, so to speak. I think that what they've shown through the preseason, especially uh, Greg Rousseau, is that the staff can feel confident that they know what to do. And when mm. they go in, that they understand what their role is going to be. So the skill sets I'm not too concerned about. I really, really was excited about the energy level. And I think with that huge room up front that they have, uh, they're going to feed off one another. And there'll be some little mini competitions going on between the guys, you know, talking about how many hurries they get, how many hits they get, pressures, whatever you want to call it. I think, you know, a chart for that kind of thing would be seems a little collegiate. Mm. But when you have young guys like that who you want to contribute and you want to set the bar and just keep elevating week after week, 
it would be kind of fun to have that sort of in, you know, within the room, that, uh, that competition, a little bit of ribbing, a little bit of push. I think, I think those guys are really, uh, they're really poised to contribute to that defensive front. It's pretty good. Spence. I, I have a, I have one more question about, um, and then, you know, I'll let you guys do your, your off tackle thing. I, no, I like we're good. watching you guys do your <laughs> off tackle thing, but, but <laughs> I really do. I love the bromance. I can't lie. But um, <laughs> so it looks like today or yesterday, I can't remember which day I read it, but uh, Corey Bohorquez actually didn't win the job. Like everybody thought he was. Um, do you think, I, I, cause I do see some fans saying like, well, maybe we made the mistake letting Corey go. And now we got a different guy that, that doesn't have the bomb of a leg that Corey has. I think the bills are set. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think as far as that, you know, the punter position? Do you think we're better off this year based off of the offense that we have? Or do you feel like, you know, this is one that that we actually miss? You know, something's got to give. Right. So I, I can't speak to the camp that Corey had. Uh, obviously, you know, they chose to go in another direction. And now I, I can't remember. Did he see he signed with he's Green traded, Bay? Right? I think he's traded to Green Bay. Yeah, he's yeah, traded to yeah, Green Bay. I'm with Seattle traded to Green Bay. Good for him. I think he'll have a good long career. Obviously, you know, he'll continue to improve. But I, I don't think when you look at the the type of offense that we had last year, that mm-hmm. the reliability on the big booming leg is going to be as important. At least I think that strategically is where they are. And reliability, you know, somebody who's going to make those 38, 42-yard punts or occasionally boom one or be able to place it inside the 10, that's where we want to be. So I think they were looking a little bit more strategic if those drive stall at the 40-yard line. Who can, who can put us in a position uh, that, that losing or giving up Bajorquez doesn't hurt you? I just don't see it being the value proposition that, um, that we may have needed in years past. Very good. Any big surprises from you uh, this preseason through this whole process, the games, training camp, cutdowns, anything? Well, you know, Joe, I, I'm in agreement with you. You know, every time Matikevich is on the field, he's doing, he's flashing, he's doing great things. And uh, AJ Klein continues to show that he's a, he's a player. So I, I'm thrilled with everybody. Somebody's got to go. Something's got to give, right? <laughs> everybody out there, Bills Mafia, is saying they they cut my guy and they're going to pound their feet for a little while and you know, question the process or question the selections. And I get that. And that's fine. But eventually you got to settle. And I believe that the guys at One Bills Drive know a little bit more than me, maybe a lot a bit more than me. So my expectation is that they made the decisions that are going to get us winning that AFC championship and into the big game. Super good. So you might be coming into town, yeah? You gonna you gonna be coming into town soon? Well, I'm looking at flights as we speak for the uh, Washington Football Team Club game thing. Uh, <laughs> the team without a name. So that's my plan right now. September 26. We're looking at putting together uh, a couple other guys are going to be in town. Mark Maddox and uh, Keith. Uh, I can't think of his last name. Blanket. I'm actually wearing Mark's sweater right now, so you can let him know Spence still be repping him. He, you know, I hold him down. Yeah. So yeah. we're looking at putting together a little charity fundraiser for the guys, um, Keith McKellar and Mark Maddox and I, and you know, bringing some uh, some of that great Bills Mafia goodwill into the cities where us legends have relocated or landed, so to speak. Mm. And I really just want to be a part of uh, that great Western New York excitement 
And hopefully by the time I get there, we'll be what is that two and all? Um, and yeah, we'll be two and all. I, I'm just, I'm super excited for the season. Last year, I said I haven't felt this excited about the Buffalo Bills since, well, I mean when I played. <laughs> and now I, I didn't think I could top it, but I find myself every day like trying to find Sal and Spent and Joe on Twitter just to see what kind of updates I can absorb. Absorb, and I know the rest of the community is doing the same thing. Super, super good. So how excited are you? I'm, we'll let you go after this. Are you about uh, having your own show? You are a key mark player on Monday nights uh, for Buffalo Rumblings and SB Nation. How do you, how does that, how does that make you feel knowing the off tackle with John Fina show is a weekly show now? Jeez, you know, I mean, just uh, hanging onto your coattails and trying to make it up to the first rung of the ladder is just a thrill of my lifetime. <laughs> Said the guy that's done shows on Showtime with uh, I just, Jim Brown. I just, hope, I just hope not to disappoint too much for the viewership out there. I, I tend to speak my mind. I don't really care what anybody thinks of my opinion. And uh, it's actually a pretty good way to live. Everybody should just kind of try it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Jay Spence will agree. That's what we love about you is that you speak your mind and 100%. you don't and you don't hide it. The truth comes out. So tell everybody where they can find you, John Fina. Uh, I guess I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, at John Fina. I think I have an Instagram, although I haven't opened it since Jesus wore sandals. Uh, <laughs> I'm a lurker on Twitter. If you say something funny and you're in the Bills Mafia, if I have a comment that you find offensive, just remember I'm probably laughing. I don't mean anything by it. Uh, so. It's, it's all out there just for fun. I think they made Twitter for me just so I could have a good time. Uh, despite all of its shortcomings, I think it's a great way for the Bills Mafia, all of the Bills content to be delivered. And uh, I find uh, I find some pretty good value there. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying being a Buffalo Bills legend and working with you, you fine guys. Awesome. Well, the first Off Tackle with John Fina show will be September 13th, the Monday after the uh, home opener and uh, all that we would ask you to do is uh, grab your laptop or your iPhone or your cell phone. If you're on an Android and at nine o'clock, put the TV on mute, keep the game on, keep Monday night football on, but put it on mute and then uh, just pay attention to me and John. But uh, John, thanks so much for uh, popping in tonight. Uh, it's always good to have you. Good times to guys. Uh, great content, great show and uh, go bills, go bills, brother. Go we'll bills. talk to you soon. So love that dude. I love that dude. Real quick. We have one more thing to announce. And I'm going to surprise you. And as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the, hum the Hump Day Hotline has an official sponsor. We, oh, we, yeah, that's right. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, because I've been so busy this week, I have not had the opportunity to do the graphic. Uh, but we'll have a new graphic next week, and it'll probably take the place of the little mafia thing down here on the bottom. But uh, going forward for the remainder of the season for all, let's call it 22 weeks or 21 weeks or after the Bills win the Super Bowl, the Humpty Hotline will officially be brought to you by none other than my guy, the market dominator, John Spascheck. Uh, John Spascheck is a uh, he's a real estate broker with Keller Williams. Keller Williams is the largest real estate brokerage in the entire world. Did you know that, Jay Spence? Wouldn't you think it was like Hunt or something like that, like the one that you I, see all the time? Honestly, yeah, Century Twenty One. It's like he was like, no, it's got to be Century Twenty One. They're huge. It's not. It's Keller Williams. Uh, John is always in the million dollar club. He's in the top. I don't even know what the number is. Five or ten. Uh, in uh, in Western New York, as far as real estate brokers go, and here's the thing, and you guys hear me say it all the time, and I'm, I'm going to have to give you some of these reads so it just sounds different. If you're looking to buy a home, if you're looking to sell a home, he's got that clip that he's doing now on my show where he talks about the market is literally wildest dreams land, especially if you're selling a home. What homes are selling for, and the market and the bids that people are getting. 
uh, is incredible, but you need the right guy on your side. Uh, so call John and his team. You can reach him on his cell phone. He will answer 716-570-3298. That number again, 716-570-3298. You can also reach him on his email, youreliebroker at gmail.com. That email again, youreliebroker at gmail.com. He's also Bill's Mafia. You can find him on Twitter at youreliebroker. Give my guy, John, a call and Spence's guy. And by the way, we did the O'Neill's thing with the uh, Rock Power Report. Uh, nope, wrong one. We did the one with the Rock Power. That one's coming up. John will probably be at the be at this event with us. But when we did it at the Rock Power Report or with the Rock Power Report at O'Neill's, uh, John paid for the tab. So he bought wings for everybody, paid for the bar tab for everybody. And uh, and basically, yeah, he's just an awesome dude. So, yeah. You haven't met well, John I'm gonna yet. Be eating have you? a whole lot of wings. So just so you know, <laughs> I'm gonna be eating a whole lot of wings next week. <laughs> Final thoughts in the last 50 seconds. Hey, everybody, thank y'all so much for kicking it with us this week. I cannot wait to see y'all next week. I cannot wait to party with y'all at this game. It's gonna be a blast. This year the Bills are legit. They were legit last year, but they're they're legit. So live this up, enjoy it. Let's stop fighting with each other. Can Bills Mafia stop fighting with each other? Let's enjoy it. This this is supposed to be like the time that we're supposed to all just enjoy this. So let's let's just enjoy this. Let's get together as a big family and let's let's just have fun. Let's do this. Yeah, fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been paying attention to watching, listening on podcast. I don't think you know that as well. This is also now going to drop as a podcast tonight, midnight. So going forward for the rest of the the remainder of the season, uh, the Humpty Hotline will be in podcast form on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network but uh it's so good to have you guys whatever platform you're listening to on uh like subscribe hump that like subscribe the button uh hit the little bell thing so you get all the notifications but uh it's so good to have you guys we're just uh what are we 11 days away 11 days away from the season starting drew Bledsoe. drew Bledsoe days away it's crazy dude it's crazy cole beasley days away Cole Beasley days away from my guy. He's cold. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He looked good. He looked good today, too. He was snatching balls out of the air. Yeah. He looked fantastic. So, uh, but ladies and gentlemen, my name is Joe Miller. Find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. That's my co host. I'm Jay Spence the King. Same thing. Find me at Jay Spence the King. Actually, follow me on Instagram, too. I got to start using Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. With that, go Bills. Go Bills. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.